Welcome to the Family Tree Magazine podcast, the show from America's number one genealogy magazine. I'm your host, Lisa Louise Cook. Our theme for this October 2016 episode is Cemeteries and Death Records. We'll start over at the Genealogy Insider blog, where managing editor Diane Haddad will share nine things that you can learn about your ancestors from the cemetery. In our top tips segment, Sharon DiBartolo Carmack will be here to share even more things to look for in your cemetery research, those tips straight out of her new article in the magazine. And then in our 101 Best Website segment, we're going to dig into cemetery and death records at FamilySearch.org with their records expert, Jennifer Davis. In the Family Tree University Crash Course segment, Vanessa is going to be here to dig up some tips from the two-week cemetery research course. And then we'll wrap it all up at the publisher's desk with Allison Dolan and her do's and don'ts for cemetery research. There's a lot to cover, so let's get to it. Our first stop is the news from the genealogy blogosphere with Diane Haddad. Well, in this October 2016 episode of Family Tree Magazine podcast, we're talking about cemeteries. Seems appropriate with Halloween fast approaching. And uh, we are going to stop first at the Genealogy Insider blog to see what Diane Haddad has been writing about cemeteries. Hi, Diane. Hello. Uh, I see here as we've launched into October that you have written about nine things that you can learn about your ancestors from the cemetery. Tell us about that. Yeah. Well, so I'll just launch right in. The first thing, of course, is going to be a name and birth and death dates. Most headstones have at least that information. Um, Sometimes you'll see like the man's headstone and then his wife, and that's that's a real bummer. (laughs) But most of the time you will at least get a name and usually a death date and often a birth date, although sometimes that's not known. So that's helpful. And then also, if you look at the actual burial records in the cemetery office, or sometimes there's an online database like I've shown in this post, you might see additional information such as a parent's name or um, someone who owns the plot. Um, Usually later records will have more information. And then also, sometimes you can look at the stones around the ancestor you're focusing on and deduce who might be related from the names on those stones. Exactly. Who's buried nearby. And some of those, uh, boy, you can really do a little bit of cluster research right there in the cemetery. Yeah, I showed a picture on this post of two people who are in this family plot that we have in an old cemetery in Cincinnati, and I didn't know who they were. So that was a clue that these people might be related to me. And then with further research, I figured out they were half-siblings of my great-great-grandmother. Oh, wow. Okay. And and then you also mentioned in the post that sometimes if a family lost a child in infancy, the cemetery may just be the one place where you can find that out. Right. A lot of times before official birth records or between censuses, you have no way of knowing. But sometimes you'll see um, a gap in, in births which is kind of unusual for that time. So that might be a clue. I wonder if, you know, this family lost a child, which was 
unfortunately common at that time. So sometimes looking through the burial records in the cemetery office or if there's a, you know, a very small stone, that might be a clue. Absolutely. And you have also a photograph in this post of a military veteran. And and of course, the headstone is often a clue about that as well, right? Right. If there was a government marker or families can, um, nowadays you can order a plaque to put on the headstone. And that's my grandfather's headstone there. It has his, um, his rank in the branch and the war he fought in, which was World War II. And I was really struck. I mean, you have several other items here, and I just encourage everybody to go and read nine things that you can learn about your ancestors from the cemetery. But you talked about cause of death. You've seen some pretty interesting occurrences of that, haven't you? Yeah, I went looking online because I know it's a rare thing to see the cause of death on a stone. And I found a Roots web page that had several examples, very detailed. <laughs> um, for example, the one person, he was visiting town and viewing horses and was kicked by one of them in the lower part of his bowels. And this, <laughs> it's all oh right goodness. there on the headstone. On the headstone. So, yeah, and that's that's rare, as I mentioned, but a lot of times there are clues, you know, even if it's not right there for you to see, you might see a woman and um, a baby with the same date on Mm -hmm. the same date of death on their headstone. So there's a clue, maybe it's possible she died in childbirth, or if a lot of people have this, you know, around the same time of, you know, the similar dates of death, there might have been an epidemic. So you see what was going on in that place and time and, you know, you might find that there was, you know, a war, an epidemic, or, you know, some kind of local tragedy that happened. Exactly. Well, after reading this post, of course, none of us will ever just saunter through a cemetery. We're really going to have to look closely yep. at each More than meets the eye. Exactly. So much to glean from it. Thank you so much, Diane. We will uh, talk to you next month. Okay, sounds good. Since our theme for this episode is cemeteries, I knew that I wanted to get Sharon DiBartola Carmack on the show because she wrote the Cemeteries Workbook and it's found in the center of the October November 2016 issue of Family Tree Magazine. Welcome back to the show, Sharon. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks for having me back. And this is perfect timing. Oh, yeah. This time of year to we, talk about cemeteries. <laughs> we think about it around Halloween, don't we? It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of a fun we time do. to go searching the cemeteries. And you put together a really nice, comprehensive uh, workbook. These are kind of like pull-out sections right there in the middle of, of the magazine. And, and yours was all about cemeteries. When you come across the location of your ancestor's burial, which we might do in a genealogical document like a death certificate, um, that opens the doors to several different types of associated records. So I'd love to have you kind of give us a rundown. Uh, we're, we're talking more than just tombstones. What are we keeping our eye out for? Well, of course, when you find the location where your ancestor is buried and you find the, the headstone, um, the first thing a lot of people think about is going for the obituary, which is good. You should do that as well. But there are a lot of other records we could be looking for in connection with the burial in the cemetery. And one of the first things, of course, is to find the actual burial record. If the cemetery is still active, 
you'll want to go to the office, the cemetery office, which may, uh, it used to be called the Sexton's office. Some places it still might be called that. But go to the cemetery office and see if there are additional records relating to the burial, which could include names of other people buried in that burial plot, which may not have a marker. And it could include the names of the people who paid for the burial, as well as who might pay for the upkeep of the cemetery or the the plot. So that would be the very first thing I would do, especially if I'm in person and have gone to a cemetery, just go right over to the office. If I'm not there in person, let's say I found the headstone on a website uh, or burial information on a website, what I would do then is Google the name of the cemetery and see if they have some records online or if you can email them or write to them and ask them for records. Yeah, going online is a great way to do some of that legwork ahead of time. And it's it's surprising how many, um, I guess they get a lot of requests, right, for, for records. So some of these offices will partner up with a website or a local historical society and, and gosh, make them available online, or at least tell us how to get our hands on them in person. Exactly, exactly. And You know, it depends, too, on the type of cemetery that it is, because if it's a privately run cemetery or a cemetery that is, you know, part of the city or the county or whatever, uh, those records should all be available. A privately run, we're going to talk about family plots on private property in a little bit, but, um, you know, a county or a city cemetery, they all have records. Now, if you're dealing with a veteran's cemetery, those records you can search for online and get some information about those online. All you have to do is Google uh, Veterans Administration Cemeteries, and you will find a site that will talk about how to locate those ancestors who were buried in veteran cemeteries in particular. Oh, wonderful. So there's some good record keeping there. Even though cemeteries are physical locations, and you kind of alluded to this already, there are some really great websites out there. And a lot of them have a lot of information where somebody's actually gone in person and collected that information, maybe even taken photos. Which websites do you like to turn to for cemetery records? Well, the first one I go to, and the first one I'm sure a lot of people go to, is findagrave.com. That one seems to really have a super good collection. I think that was one of the very first websites to do this. And so they have a huge, huge collections. In the old days, we used to go to cemeteries and copy down tombstones or take photographs and then put them in a book and uh, have compiled records that we published in a book. Now we don't do that. We just go to find a grave and a lot of genealogists will take photographs and collect information and sometimes even do a little bit of research or do some research in the cemetery records and put that information online at find a grave. So that's one of the the 
first ones I go to. And another one is billiongraves.com, and that's another very good one. But there are are a lot of different cemetery sites now online. And if you go to the toolkit in my workbook, you'll see a whole bunch of them. There's one for African-American cemeteries online, one for American Battle Monuments, the National Arlington National Cemetery or Veteran Cemeteries. There are just a whole lot of them now, just U.S. Gen Web Tombstone Transcription Project. There are a lot. So if you can't find what you're looking for on Find a Grave or Billion Graves, start looking around because there are other places that are also doing this as well. Right. In fact, the one that you mentioned uh, through the VA, that's the Nationwide Gravesite Locator, and it's literally gravelocator.cem for cemetery.va.gov. So, I mean, and that's just one of over a dozen I see here listed in the toolkit. Fantastic. Now, sometimes we we just won't have that much luck. We're not going to initially see, let's say, the burial location on the death certificate. Maybe there is no death certificate available. Maybe these are even earlier ancestors. What do you suggest when we just can't find a burial place? Well, there are a couple things. Um, first of all, it depends on the time period. A lot of times our ancestors just could not afford a headstone. So they were buried, but there's no marker. And you'll find this a ca- the, to be the case a lot, especially in the 1800s when we have a lot of westward migration. A lot of people died on their way west, and they just buried the person there alongside the road. I mean, we have no idea how many people perished on the journey west, how many were buried alongside the road, such as the Oregon Trail and other trails, and they're just not going to be recorded anywhere. Hopefully, you can find something in a family history that mentions it, or you might find some family lore that mentions it, or even sometimes county histories. I'm working on a family right now, and supposedly one of the ancestors died uh, during this westward migration. And according to the family sketch in the county history, it talks about this ancestor who died along the trail and was just buried alongside the road. And that may be the best you can do to mm-hmm. find that, that particular person. You know, and of course you want to look at your whatever record you would look for for a death, Bible records, uh, like I mentioned, family genealogies and that kind of thing, that will at least give you some idea of when that person died, even though you may not be able to find a headstone. I imagine, too, that's where that cluster research comes into play, where when that happens with an individual, it might get mentioned, like you say, in other documents or write-ups or obituaries for for relatives, people in their immediate family. So who knows, maybe there were letters, you know, that ended up in an archive somewhere. It's fascinating. So you mentioned um, family plots that are on private property. And that is kind of an issue when you you go somewhere and you realize, oh, I'm having to go onto their property, right. you know, open the gate. Right. Maybe that's, that's not allowed. How how do we deal with that when we find that situation? Well, first of all, the difficult part is finding the family plot. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes you you may not even know where the family plot is any longer. So what I would do is check 
if it's a small area, and usually these family plots are in, a lot of times are in rural areas, I would go to the local postmaster or postmistress and see if they know where there is a family plot. Because oftentimes, you know, they've been in the area for a long time, they know all the people, and so they might know where there is a family plot. Uh, another thing which didn't quite make it into the workbook, which I have had good success with is uh, stop and ask a teenager. For some <laughs> reason, I know where all the cemeteries are, where sure. all the family plots are. So um, I would ask a teenager and say, do you know where there are any graveyards around here that uh, <laughs> where the kids like to hang out? And that's uh, sometimes where you'll find those. Um, obviously, once you do find, check with local historical societies, local genealogical societies, they usually know where all the family plots are, too. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they have transcribed all those cemeteries as well. Once you find where it is, then, of course, you need to get Ideally, you need to get permission of the owner. If it's a, you know, a piece of farmland or whatever that, you know, you can't even find there's a house there anymore, of course, you know, that's something that you can just probably go on unless there's signs that say no trespassing. But if it's on someone's property, then of course you should get permission from the owner. I had a student one time and she found the family plot and it was now at the end of the Colorado Springs runway. Oh, and, wow. <laughs> and so she had to get permission from the airport to go onto the family plot when there was little or no air traffic because she couldn't be on that area. So it just depends on where the family plot is now and where people have built up around it and where it might be. So, yeah, Yeah. those can be tricky. (laughs) Yeah, and and who knew that there were so many things to consider and places to Mm -hmm. look. Uh, Uh When it comes to cemetery records, you're definitely going to want to turn to Sharon's workbook. In that October-November 2016 issue of the magazine, it's called Cemetery Records. And, boy, it's just packed full of all kinds of great information. Plus, she really goes through some of the kinds of records that, that you're going to be finding and how to get the most out of them, which is always a good thing. Wonderful to have you back on the show, Sharon. Thank you so much for taking us on the cemetery tour. Oh, thank you so much, Lisa. And I hope everybody has a wonderful time cemetery hopping this fall. In today's 101 Best Websites for Tracing Your Roots segment, I've invited Jennifer Davis from the Records Division at FamilySearch.org to give us the scoop on cemetery and death records that they may have over at FamilySearch. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Thank you. We're happy to be here. Well, I'd love to have you kind of give us a quick overview of the types of records that we might expect to find over at Family Search that have to do with with death records or even if you have anything on cemetery records. Yes. Do you know what our cemetery records is one of the collections that we're most pleased with? We have over 176 million cemetery records published on our familysearch.org website and of course many more than that of death records so we love our cemetery records and our death records online 
So Family Search, we've done a lot of different publications with cemetery records in particular. Um, we have individual cemeteries throughout the world. Uh, just for example, we have an Arizona Mesa City Cemetery records, uh, records from Ohio Summit County, many cemeteries in Maine, in Texas, and worldwide in New Zealand and Chile. And so what the way that you research those is you just go to our familysearch.org website. And one of the best ways, if you want to search just that individual collection, you go to familysearch.org and then you click the search button that has a little magnifying glass. And then it comes up with a map in the upper right-hand corner. Underneath that, there's a free form search bar that you can type into it. And if you just typed cemetery into that, you can get a good, pretty good idea of the different cemetery collections that we have published, the individual cemetery collections from, from all over the world. Another collection that we're um, really pleased with is our Find a Grave collection. And as you know, Find a Grave is one of our partners that works with us here at FamilySearch. They have allowed us to publish their database on our FamilySearch site. And then to see the images, all you have to do is click the link that comes up in the records search return. And you can go straight to their website and see the images of the headstones. So we appreciate our partnership with Find a Grave, and we're just glad to, to have them partner with us. We have 152 million records in our Find a Grave collection on FamilySearch.org. So it's a pretty sizable collection. Would that be their entire collection, or is that just a portion of their collection? So that's just a portion because that's only for the United States. They have records from all over the world. Now, the, the way our partnership works with, with Find a Grave is every quarter of the year, so every three months, they give us the database to publish, and we go through and get it ready to publish on our site. And so we publish new records from Find a Grave every quarter of the year. And so if there's something that, that if you didn't find your ancestor, you know, six months ago, you should go back on and look at it again because we publish every three months for that. So everything that, that wasn't included there in the previous three months will be published in the next three months. Oh, that's a great tip. So we know that we're looking at U.S. records when it comes to find a grave and that you're getting new ones all the time. That's fantastic. All the time. Yeah. Um, one thing that we love about our, our Find a Grave partnership and just Find a Grave in general is the collaborative nature of the volunteer work that happens on that website and with the Find a Grave volunteers. So the way Find a Grave works is a lot of volunteers go in to these cemeteries and they take pictures of headstones and they enter in the data usually while they're there in the cemetery. And, um, you know, they, they basically do an index of sorts of the headstone and then they're able to upload that. And that's, that's available because Find a Grave has an app that you can download for free and it allows anybody anywhere over the world to to volunteer to go in and transcribe cemetery headstones. And so 
we just want to give a shout out too to our volunteers and to the volunteers that support Find a Grave, because without them, we wouldn't have these records and Find a Grave wouldn't have these records and likely, you know, we wouldn't be able to partner with Find a Grave. And so this is a, a good way for people to give back to the genealogical community. If you found a record on Find a Grave, to give back and, and go to your local cemetery and, and see if there are some headstones that you can transcribe. Another feature that we really like of Find a Grave in terms of volunteering is certain people, if you don't find your ancestor on Find a Grave, you can go in and request that somebody visit that cemetery and find the headstone of your ancestor. You would just put the name of your ancestor in the request. And if somebody sees that, one of the volunteers in that area, and they're willing to go and, and find that headstone for you, they'll take a picture of it for you and enter in the data and upload it. And then you should be able to see that if, if they are able to complete that task for you. So we love Find a Grave and their ability to do that. Absolutely. Now, when we get to that search page that you mentioned, and we see the map, and I love this tip on just putting the word cemetery in the collection title search box over there on the right. Over on the left, we do see the search historical records and death is one of the links. So it looks like it's good. If we click that, we're going to go straight to digging into just death records. Can you kind of give us a, a broad brush view of what all that might include Uh, as far as what's part of your collections? Well, we have death records from pretty much every area of of the world, from all of the continents that we're able to get records for. You can restrict the record um, search by type, and one of the types, like you mentioned, is death. And really, if you you were to do that, you need to put in um, a death date, but really, um, death records are something that are, are really, really important in the genealogical world. So one caution I would have when searching death records or cemetery records is to really pay attention to the birth information that you find on there. Realize that the birth event happened probably many years before they're reporting the death event And so the likelihood of the birth event having a a little mistake in it is higher the farther removed you are from that birth event. And so, in other words, a birth event on a death record or on a cemetery record should be treated more as a hint to go check the birth record rather than taking the birth information as gospel truth. That's a great point because, you know, the birth information is a secondary source on a death record. And as Jennifer says, going to that primary source, which is the birth record itself, it's it's a lead to it. It's not the final destination when you're looking at it on a death record. That's a great point. Jennifer, I thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast and sharing your insights into family search. Thank you so much. Well, to continue on on our cemetery theme for this episode in October of 2016, it's kind of an appropriate one. Uh, In our Family Tree University Crash Course segment, Vanessa Wheeland is back to talk to us about a course all about cemeteries. Hi, Vanessa. Hi, Lisa. 
Now, I know you have a lot of different kinds of courses and classes that you offer through Family Tree University. And one of them I noticed is doing cemetery research. So it seemed like an appropriate one to talk about. But can you explain a little bit about how uh, how this class is set up? Because there are some different structures for how they work. Absolutely. And this one is a different structure. It is a two-week course that you can take and sign up for at any time. Um, so it runs year-round. And it's more of a self-guided course where you have an instructor available, but there's less involvement. So if you ask a question, you'll get an answer on the discussion boards, but there's not everybody, a bunch of other students in the course necessarily at the same time. So it's it's a very much more of an independent study. And the great thing about this is that you can access it and try it at any time. Also, it's more of a good starting place for people who are just getting into the subject and the topic of researching cemeteries. Great. So they it's a, a two-week course. You can jump online and start this at any point when you're ready. And um, like you say, it, it really lays a foundation for, for the beginner to make sure that they've kind of covered all their bases in doing uh, cemetery research. Let's talk a little bit about what kinds of things they might be covering in this. Uh, I know in looking through the outline, I see there's um, kind of an introduction to burial grounds. And um, you were mentioning before we got started today about there are some differences in terminology. Share one of those tips. Yes, I actually love this. Um, It's one of those little things that the terms, people use the terms graveyard and cemetery interchangeably. And, you know, that's fine these days, but technically a graveyard is actually attached to a church, whereas a cemetery is not. So there's little differences like that. Mm-hmm. So a cemetery is kind of a standalone. It might be associated with a church, might be uh, a private organization, basically. Um, right, or even state or county run. Yeah. And then it goes through the course. Lesson two is tips for uh, trips to the cemetery. And I noticed in lesson three, they really dig into visiting the cemetery and kind of sharing and showing off what you find. And of course, one of the ways we do that is by taking photographs. Do you have some tips for us from the course about how to photograph the headstones that we're looking at? Sure. The first tip is that it's all about time of day. If you can visit early in the morning, the morning light is really ideal. And this is a common photography thing that there's two sort of, you know, magic hours or time frames for photography. And it's early morning or in the evening, you know, late afternoon as the sun sets. Sunrise, sunset, perfect times. You, it's really difficult to take a bad picture during those times. The light is softer. It's easier. Um, if you go in the afternoon, you can still get good pictures, but you have to work a little bit more with the light. It can be too bright. It can wash out the headstones. So those are some things that you have to to look for. So it just takes a little bit more work on your part if you go in the afternoon. Right, definitely a good time of day for photography. And also over at YouTube, Family Tree Magazine has a YouTube channel. And we have a video over there called Grave Transformations. And that's a video that will kind of walk you through also taking your photographs and enhancing them. If you don't get them exactly right, at the time that you take them, you can take them into a photo editing program and do a little more touch-up. So lots of resources. Uh, this is a great two-week course. Again, as Vanessa said, kind of self-paced. And yet you do have access to a very knowledgeable instructor who will answer your questions along the way. And of course, check out the YouTube channel. We'll have a link in the show notes for that. So very cool. You're going to be heading out this 
Halloween to do a little cemetery research, Vanessa? <laughs> I am. It's it's my favorite time of year anyway to visit a cemetery because you get not only the cooler weather, or which it's not too cold, but you also get a beautiful background if you're around here where you've got the fall leaves on the trees. So it's very peaceful. Can't really beat the time of year for doing the research there. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Thank you so much, Vanessa. Thank you. You have a good day, Lisa. Well, it's time to wrap up this episode. It's been devoted to cemetery research, and we're going to do that over at the publisher's desk with Allison Dolan. Hi, Allison. Hi, Lisa. Hey, Allison, we've heard a lot of great research strategies in this episode, and I'm wondering if you have some of your own do's and don'ts for successful cemetery research. Of course I do, because Yay. I round the block with cemetery research. In fact, my first foray into genealogy ever was going to a cemetery with my grandma. And it was all over after that. So yeah. <laughs> with that, let me share some of what I have learned over, uh, over the years. So first, do check for online databases of cemetery records. So you may have heard of Find a Grave or Billion Graves. Those are good places to check. But also look to see if the cemetery itself has any searchable databases. I stumbled upon one for Spring Grove Cemetery in Cincinnati because I had heard my great-grandmother had been buried there. And through that resource, I was able to identify that multiple additional generations were buried in that cemetery. So this is really a great option if you are not able to go to the cemetery in person. Make sure you check and see if there are online resources that you can use. Perfect. Now, what would we not do? Yeah, well, don't assume that the tombstone is the only record you're going to find in a cemetery. Um, A lot of newbies often miss on this. Just as I was talking about Spring Grove Cemetery, every cemetery might have additional burial records that you can access, whether it's online or offline. And that's what I found with Spring Grove. They had a database of burial cards, and those burial cards listed each person's relationship to the plot owner. So that gave me not only a clear picture of how everyone buried in that cemetery was connected to each other, but also how they were connected to me, which was super helpful. Oh, that's great. Isn't that, it's, it's so unique how that's the thing about cemetery research. It can be different in each location. So burial cards, everybody put that on your list. That's something that you will, we need to be asking for. All right, you got another do for us? Yes. Before you go to a cemetery in person, do find out the hours, the rules. This is another good reason to see if the cemetery has a website because those things might be listed there. If not, call because it would be a shame to show up and not be able to get what you came for. Maybe you could check out the tombstone, but maybe you wouldn't be able to look at the burial records because the office is closed, for example. So make sure you do your homework before you show up. Absolutely. We've all suffered from that. And how about we're standing there in front of a a headstone? Got a don't for us? Yes. So when I was first getting started, a lot of people were telling me, use shaving cream to bring out the words on the tombstones or do these things to the stone to make them more readable. And as I worked at Family Tree Magazine, I learned the advice of preservationists, which is don't use any foreign substances on the stone other than water. Basically, Anything that has a chemical in it could hasten the deterioration of the stone. And we obviously don't want that because we want those artifacts to be around for many years to come. 
So as an alternative, technology actually works better for this purpose. Everybody has a digital camera or a camera in their phone. So if you take a digital photo and then you use the photo editing software that came with your computer or one of the apps that you can get for your smartphone, you can adjust the contrast of the photo to make out the transcription on the stone. That actually works a lot better than some of these other substances that you can try. And also, if the lighting isn't good for the photo, you can use a mirror to reflect sunlight onto the stone, and that often helps. Yeah, great advice. And, you know, when I was talking with Vanessa, I was sharing that uh, I long time ago, uh, I did a YouTube video for Family Tree Magazine called Grave Transformations, talking about exactly that and kind of showing you how to use photo editing software to alter the picture itself to make it more readable. And that's so cool that these days you can even do that as well in your phone right there in the photo editor. So you got to love that. Yeah. Great. <laughs> yes, absolutely. All right, got one more do for us? Yeah, so we've just been talking about photos. And my last do is do take photos of the entire plot in any surrounding stones that you think could have a connection to your family. The reason is you want to create a permanent record of what you're seeing. So I mentioned that my first experiences in genealogy were in the cemetery. And when I started working here. I took my grandmother to one of the cemeteries where our relatives were buried. And after a few minutes, she kind of stopped and said, where are the rest of the graves? And I said, what? And it turned out she was remembering from previous visits, a group of infants who had died in this family and their headstones weren't in the plot with the rest of them. So we don't know, we didn't determine if those were in a different part of the cemetery or if they had been moved or somehow were just missing. But when she had been there in a previous time, she actually took the photos. So we had the record that those graves did, in fact, actually exist. And Grandma's memory (laughs) wasn't just faulty. She wasn't making it up. But I, yeah, I would have never known to look for those children if she hadn't been there with me and had that record of it. So um, it's important. Cemeteries are just like any other place. Things change over time. So make sure you get a photo of everything and keep that permanent record. Great tip, particularly if we want to pass on our research to the future generations. You know, it's not just right now and our time researching today, but it's also into the future. And wow, you're right. A photographic record is going to make a big difference. Oh, I like it. Lots of do's and don'ts for successful cemetery research. Thank you, Allison. Thanks, Lisa. Talk to you next time. Thanks so much for joining me for this October 2016 episode of the Family Tree Magazine podcast. It's the monthly show from America's number one genealogy magazine. Here are a couple of action items until we meet here again next month. Head over to familytreemagazine.com slash podcast. There you're going to find all the show notes for this episode, which will include information and all the website links for everything that we've covered. Thanks again for joining me. I'm Lisa Louise Cook, and I invite you to visit me at my website, genealogygems.com, where you can listen to my free podcast, the Genealogy Gems Podcast. And that's also available for free through iTunes. Until next time, have fun climbing your family tree.